Welcome to the latest Welsh Connection show. Tonight, I'm joined by Dana Jean Phoenix. Hey. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Well, I'm even better because I've got you in the studio with my male friend, Alistair Jenkins, over there, who's surreptitiously hanging about in the background taking photographs or a video. Yes. What's he's he doing? He's fly on the wall right now, he is. He's, be, he's, been a, he's been more than a fly on the wall. He's been a guest several times. That's right. On the show. I've been of you been so far from home.
just love your music. Well, thank you so much. It's, well, it's fantastic. I mean, I first became aware of you through the wonderful social media, the old Facebook. The old Facebook. And then all of a sudden, I bump into you in Swansea Bay Records. Out of the blue. Recognise you. Such a chance encounter. Though. And you're on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you got into music in the first place. Oh, boy. Um, well, it sounds cheesy to say, but, you know, from an early age, I always knew I wanted to do music. Um, I started singing, you know, as, as soon as I could talk and started playing piano at a really early age. And there was just constantly music in the house growing up. I had an older brother. So everything that he listened to, I gravitated towards uh, initially. So a lot of grunge. I grew up in the early 90s, so it was all about grunge and... I remember going to the piano when I was five and trying to figure out um, Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy in the Infinite Sadness on piano. And that was the first song I had taught myself by ear on the piano. And yeah, I just always knew that music was where I was headed. And I've been really fortunate in that that's never been a question for me or that's never wavered. I've always just followed that path.
So what was the music scene like when you were growing up back home? Um, I grew up in a, a town called Kitchener-Waterloo, um, just before I moved to the big city, Toronto, which is a big city in Canada. And um, yeah, it was a pretty uh, exciting scene uh, in Kitchener-Waterloo. A lot of R&B music, a lot of jazz, a lot of rock and pop. Um, and I met some really great musicians there that sort of took me under their wing and uh, were great mentors to me. And then when I moved to Toronto, I uh, went to Humber for the jazz program. So I studied jazz music. And I remember every night um, I was trying to get all of my classmates to come out to a show with me downtown. I just wanted to see everything I could see, go to a shows and go to open mics and meet musicians and see great performers and great shows. So I was out quite a bit <laughs> in those early years. Well, I still, I still do out, go out quite a bit. Um, but yeah, uh, Toronto was just an amazing thriving scene. Um, every night you could go out and you could see a show until two o'clock in the morning and I just loved it. And so I went to open mics and uh, networked with a lot of musicians and I got my first big touring, professional touring gig because uh, I was spotted at an open mic and so that was really great. And then from there I just continued to meet people and started to do my own music as well. That's really encouraging to hear that you got spotted at open mics because yeah. sometimes open mics get a little bit of a bad name in, in this country. Yeah, oh is that right? I For me it was just, I was so excited and hungry to to meet musicians and also just get some stage time because in those days in your early 20s you're in a new big city and it's like how do i how do i work on my voice how do i work on my stage presence open mics and they were just such a great playground for me to play and see what worked and really a low stake environment for me to just fail i suppose make mistakes and have some triumphs and so yeah I was spotted by um, this fellow who got me a gig singing backups for a big R&B act at the time and from there I just met other musicians and you know I, I realized that I really wanted to do my own music so it's, it's really cool I, I encourage young artists all the time go out to open mics and just try stuff out fail you know have fun take risks do something silly it's, it's a great way to learn isn't it it's a learning curve absolutely a huge learning curve um but you get to you get a, a feel for what your voice is on stage how you perform how you connect with an audience and i think ultimately for me live performance has always been something i always go back to and even when i'm in studio or i'm, I'm writing recording i always think to myself how is this going to feel playing live how is this going to impact an audience when i'm singing it to them in the room with the lights and the, and the music, so, yeah.
for anyone who's not familiar yeah. with your music, yeah. how would you describe it? Um, I would call it synthwave, for sure. Um, but it's essentially um, synth pop music or electronic music with sort of a nostalgic bent to it. So it's heavily influenced by 80s music, 90s music. Um, there's a lot of R&B influences in there, but there's also a lot of like retro movie soundtracks as well, you know, like the Terminator soundtrack and all those sorts of influences. John Carpenter is such a huge influence in the in the synthwave scene. So there's definitely a lot of synthesizers. Um, and what I try to do is I love to have stuff that first and foremost will make me want to dance because I love to dance and I like to be a high energy performer and I want to make other people dance as well because I feel like it's a, a really cathartic thing to do.
So you play your open mics, you get spotted. What changed for you as an artist then? I think I just realised what dedication was required to be an artist. I remember as a backup singer in those early days, you know, we sort of had very limited responsibility in comparison to the lead singer. You know, they were headed to interviews um, and then they had to do other interviews and, you know, just it was a much more demanding schedule for them and they were so focused and so dedicated and so passionate that I sort of realized the the dedication it required to, to be an artist and to put your own music out there. It's a hustle and it's about connecting with people and building a sense of community, which is so important for musicians, I think. Um, it's hard to be just a bedroom producer and just put your music out online. You actually have to go out, you have to meet people, you have to network, you have to go see other people's shows, you have to support. Because um, I really think artists thrive from that sense of community and when they're willing to invest themselves in the community. That's a really good and important point to make for for established and, and up-and-coming bands, really. And it's a little bit about not just thinking about yourself, I guess. You're looking at the bigger picture, aren't you, and the whole scene. Absolutely. And that's why, fortunately, when I stumbled onto the, the synthwave scene, um, it was all these producers and artists from all around the world coming together with this common goal of creating this synth music that reminded you of the 80s or the early 90s when most of us were, were kids and we were growing up. <laughs> not me. <laughs> not you. <laughs> not me. I'd, I'd already grown up. <laughs> no. Well, that's good. You, you should never really grow up, should you? Yeah. I always try to be young at heart as well. So what, what is it about synth music that's so exciting? Um, for me, it's just it, there's so much emotion and mystery about a synthesizer. And, you know, I love the nostalgia aspect of it. Um, so many of my favorite artists, like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and, you know, Janet Jackson, obviously, they were producers on her album. Um, and a lot of dance, like Prince, you know, for example. There's just something so electric about his music. Not just his music, though, his, his stage performances, his concerts, his music videos. You know, there's just so much... Um, integration of dance and cool music videos like there's just so much cool stuff going on so yeah I like the fact that um, I can incorporate different influences such as R&B and infuse it with some electronic music as well which is really nice to tour with as well it's it's lovely to, like, Alistair, who's in the room from Taurus 1984, shout out, what up? <laughs> we just played a gig in Vienna um, a couple weeks ago, and it was just so great, just the two of us, to be able to rock up to Vienna with our keyboards and drum pad and our loopers and just put on this great show and have it be received so well. It's universal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mu music in itself is universal, but there is certainly a big movement now for, for the synth sounds that, that I grew up with listening to in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely universal. I think, and it's influenced our pop culture so much now as well. So people my age, but also younger people can get into it as well. Um, I used to play a jazz fest back in Toronto, and I remember like kids would respond so well to my set 
which was the greatest compliment that you could ever possibly imagine because kids are the most honest audience that you can have. And when they hear those influences in popular culture, they're going to resonate with it as well. So it's cool that it continues on in the next generation.
When you're writing your songs, your music, your tunes, where do you even start? Um, thankfully, I did a lot of um, musical improv back in Toronto. Um, and so I find I like to start with a bit of a beat or a bass to get me going. Something that feels like a nice backbone. And then I just sort of, sort of improvise melodies, um, rhythms. And then from there, sort of the, the lyrics start to fall into place. Um, sometimes I'll think of a theme or concept or an idea. Um, so we'll start from that. But usually it, it starts with me sort of scatting things out in the air. And, oh yeah, I like that hook. Yeah, yeah, cool. Let's do something with that. And I guess when you, when you get your hands on that synth and you, and you get that little synth yeah. riff in, yeah. you know you've nailed it then. I mean, I always remember things like 1999. And Jump by Van Halen. Oh, All, yeah. you know, synth, great guitar band, but what a synth start. Absolutely fantastic. So iconic. Yeah. And just that little riff or hook can just open the door to this massive idea, this massive song, and be so iconic. Yeah, it's cool. So when you've written a new song, <laughs> who do you use as a sounding board? Um... Well, I do a lot of collaborations. That's a good question. I do a lot of collaborations. So majority of the songs that I work on, I'm usually um, bouncing ideas off of whatever producer I'm working with at the time. Um, so yeah, really it's a collaborative effort. I don't tend to work so well when I'm just insular by myself. I really have to have feedback from other people and have a bit of a nugget of I, you know, from that person, I really thrive off of, well, what if we did this? Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. And I'll latch on to that and see how I can make it my own. I love it when people talk about collaboration because it's such an important part of developing the sound and the themes and the songs. Yeah. But have you ever worked with somebody and you've come with this great idea and you love it and they've gone, no. Nah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that's fine. And I actually appreciate that honest feedback because, yeah, at the end of the day, you want to do stuff that feels right to you. But you, you also have to be a team player as well to, to, to make something truly great. And as long as the feedback comes from an honest place, then absolutely. Have, have you ever thought, has somebody ever said that to you? Because I really yeah. am fascinated by this. Has anybody ever said that to you? And you thought, no, I, I actually like it. I like what I've done. And do you, do you like sulk and take it away? Are there any diva moments? <laughs> I, get, I suppose if there's like something that I really believe in, I'll fight for it. Um, but it doesn't happen too often. I figure you can't be too precious with music. You've got to go with the flow. If you force it or you try to hold on to an idea too tightly, you end up sabotaging the energy of the song. Because at the end of the day, I want everything that I do to be fun. I want it to be, again, it goes back to that feeling of community, of working with other people. And so I want everybody to be enjoying the process. And so I'm open to, this idea is not working, scrap it. Let's go on to the next thing. You know, there are an infinite number of ideas that can be explored. So I don't think it pays to be too precious. <laughs> Thank you. 
music um you, you spoke about the the days at the jazz festivals mm. in toronto your music has developed over the last few years do you have any sort of long-term plan about where you'd like to go with the work that you do yeah for sure i think um i want to explore more of my r&b my love for r&b music in more of what i do um I realize time and time again when I do live shows, again, that for me is the greatest informer of where I want to go and what works best for me, that the stuff that is high energy, that is funky, that's what I want to ex explore more of. Um, and I also recently have been getting back into my jazz roots. So coming here to Swansea and living in Wales, um, I've met some incredible jazz musicians and I've been um, working on some recordings and it feels so good to get back to my jazz roots that that's something I would love to explore um, soon, you know, in the near future. Work on like a jazz album. Hey, yeah. hey, that could be cool. <laughs> yeah. We like that. I was, I was really interested in what you said earlier about not just the performance and the making of the, making of the music, but the whole other stuff that goes with it, mm. like networking, yeah. supporting other people. Yeah. I guess you're starting to look at the biz side of showbiz. Do you think that's an important part of an artist, the business side of it as well? I think it depends on what your goals are. If your goals are to sell more records and expand your audience, then I think there is sort of a level of... Um, I don't know what the word is, but seriousness, you need to invest in your project. And that means, you know, it's not, you're not just going out to shows because you want to support other people. You have to be able to see what people are doing and, you know, you want to 
you want to put yourself out there, you want to network, but it's really what you want to get out of it, I suppose. I mean, it's different for everybody. Um, I've really lucked out in terms of my network, not networking, but um, my audience, because I felt like I just tapped into sort of a, a niche sort of scene that was burgeoning at a time and, and it just developed and the audience grew and I feel really fortunate about that. And I also feel really lucky because I feel like I could explore whatever I want to do and those people would still support me, which is really nice. It's a great place to be, but you've worked hard to do that. It's not luck, it's, it's hard work. Yeah, well, um, I'd like to think that um, the hard work is a result of me just loving it and having really feeling like I have no other choice because it's what I love to do and there's no place I'd rather be than out seeing a show or performing a show myself.
you've spoken about Toronto, yes. grew up in Canada, yes. making music, playing in Vienna. You're in Wales at the moment. Yes. Do you notice a big difference between the sort of Welsh culture and our reaction to music to anywhere else in the world? I think there's such a rich history and tradition of music over here, and it's it's so apparent. Like, from the moment I moved here and started going out to gigs, I feel like the culture here just embraces live music a, maybe a bit more than how we do back home, perhaps. Um, and again, I feel that sense of community here, which is really exciting because I feel like I've met so many people, so many amazing people, talented people, who are so excited to just keep making music for the love of it. So, yeah, I think there's um, a huge network of support here, which is really exciting to see. You, you really don't want to tell them that they're hugely talented, because <laughs> honestly, yeah, they won't get their heads through the door, because there's enough big heads in Wales. Yeah, but, I mean, we think it anyway, because we're Welsh. Because yeah. we 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 we're bound to think it, but to hear from somebody else, it it is um, it sort of gives a little bit of little bit of respect to the guys. Yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah. So can we expect expect a Welsh language synthwave album soon? Oh, perhaps. Dioch. Yeah. Oh, hey, I, nice I like it. Well done. Dioch. That's about the extent. What other words do I know? Yeah, no swearing. Don't don't do the, <laughs> don't do the swearing bits. Yeah. Those are the only bits I know. So tell me a little bit about Vienna. How did you land that gig? Oh, Vienna. That's the third time I've been to Vienna. Um, I played there uh, twice before, and uh, I love it. Um, I was really fortunate to have done a song with an act from Vienna called Power Nerd. And uh, several years ago, when I knew I had to just go to Europe, I had to play shows in Europe, I, I contacted them and said, let's book a show together. We've done a collab. You know, can you hook me up with a show? And I'll open. And... And they put me in touch with a promoter. So, um, yeah, a couple years later, and I've played there three times now, and I feel like I've got friends there. And the audience is just, they're always incredible. They're always so enthusiastic. And it's one of the best places in the world to play. That's amazing. I mean, to me, that seems like such a brave thing to do. To just say, right, I'm, I'm going to play Austria. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to speak to these guys and say, give me a gig. Well, why not? Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But a lot of people don't do it. Yeah. You know, it, I, I think it's an incredibly brave, bold thing to do. But wow, well done. It's great. Thank you. I don't know why you took him, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah, Alistair. He's referring to Alistair over here. Alistair came and played Dead Drunk for me. And he crushed it, didn't you? That's <laughs> awesome. And that's another great example of collaboration within the scene, isn't it? Yes. So Alistair um, from Taurus 1984. Um, we actually worked on a track together, Dreamin'. Um, yeah, it just... Uh, it's, really awesome to have collaborated with Alistair musically and I was like yeah let's let's do this let's go to Vienna and you want to play drums you're a guitar player don't play drums well you will now <laughs> he crushed it it was awesome I, I I just think it's great so tell me what's next for Dana Jean Phoenix well um I sort of took a little bit of a hiatus from um working on albums I did a lot of collaborations so I'm getting that itch to get back into the studio again more regularly. Um, and I'm in talks with some producers from, well, multiple producers from around the world. And yeah, gonna get a, a, some, some songs written. So hopefully by um, the spring of the new year, I'll have uh, new material out and um, 
yeah, I'm in talks with venues as well um, for some touring options as well. So, uh, are we talking UK tours and or uh, further Europe. afield, Europe? Yeah. yeah, Europe for sure, um, Canada as well, and then hopefully there'll be some UK gigs in there as well. So maybe a maybe a Swansea show, right? Hey, that'd be cool. Yeah. No, I know a few years ago you had a little bit of a a medical emergency with your voice, didn't you? How number number one, I'm you know, I'm really glad you got it back. But how did you cope with that and how did it feel? Oh, it felt awful. Um uh, pretty soon into the pandemic I realized that I had um had some burnout because I was so busy and just like my life in Toronto was constant gigging and writing and studio sessions and auditioning because I, I also did film and television as well. Um, so it was just a really chaotic lifestyle, which I loved, but then when I was allowed some time for some peace and quiet, I realized that my voice, I put my voice through so much. Um, yeah, and it was really scary to not have it for, for quite a while. Um, and I looked into, like I saw a voice specialist, I got the camera down the throat and all that, and no surgery was needed, thankfully. Um, but it was just um, definitely a wake-up call that I needed to take some time and connect with nature and not just do music 24-7. And I made a realization that I think as creators and as artists, as singers, in order to sing songs about life and have meaning and connect with people, you have to live a life as well. And if you're constantly just work, work, working, you're not really, truly living a life fully. Um, and well, that was the case for me anyway. I can't speak for anyone else, but I realized for myself, I need to live a life and I need to connect with my friends and loved ones and do other things that, um, you know, I'm not just defined by music 100%. And so when I realized that I was so much more than just music and the music I was putting out, slowly I felt my voice coming back. And uh, I'm really happy that it's back now. <laughs> and it feels really liberating. And uh, I'm really happy. 